0: Hello, everyone. This is Attorney John Gonzalez speaking to you from the world headquarters of True FM in beautiful Columbus, Ohio.
1: Hi, this is Jack Durr. I'm John's law partner, and we're lawyers with the Behal Law Group. That's B-E-H-A-L Law Group. We practice in Columbus, Ohio.
0: Today, we're talking about sexual harassment, uh, hopefully not actually... Doing any sexual harassment, just talking about it. But we're talking about it with our guest, Gil Gratistar. Gil is a partner at the Behaul Law Group. Also, uh, we like to refer to him as our senior partner. <laughs> Gil, um, can you uh, tell us? Strike that. Reverse it. Sorry. Right. Hey, before we
1: get before we get to uh, anything that Gil has to say about the law, let's remember that we've got to handle that administrative matter. And for the benefit of our audience, please know that we provide this podcast. As a service to the community, while we try to provide quality information, we're not giving legal advice you can rely on for your situation. Why is that, you ask? Because legal advice has to be tailored to the circumstances of each case. Nothing we say in a podcast can substitute for the advice you should seek from an attorney in a private setting if you have a legal problem. All right, so with that behind us, Gil, why don't you just tell us briefly what your area of focus is? In your law practice?
2: Well, I've been a trial lawyer for all of my 38 years in the practice, um, most recently focusing on uh, personal injury and general corporate matters, um, uh, in the last few years, as sexual harassment and workplace harassment has come to the fore, that's been a, a more dominant part of my practice.
0: Can you tell us uh, generally why sexual harassment is such a problem in the workplace?
2: Well, it's a problem because it's a problem in society. Um, the statistics say that uh, as high as ninety percent of women uh, complain that they've been made sexually uncomfortable, either harassed or pressured, um, in the workplace. Um, but at basis, it's really a form of bullying. It's a use of status to make another person uncomfortable or make them do something against their will. Um, And it's a corrosive uh, force inside the workplace. It makes people feel that their advancement is based on something other than their performance, um, such as um, agreeing to sexual favors or um, acting in a certain way independent of how they perform in their job.
1: Well, without getting too de- technical, because we don't want this to be considered a legal education for lawyers, give us in simple talk what sexual
2: harassment consists of. Sexual harassment is any unwelcome conduct of a se- sexual nature. There's basically two times – Uh, One called quid pro quo or this for that uh, is what the Latin word means, is where the unwelcome sexual conduct is made a condition of the employment or promotion. For example, a supervisor may say, do what I want you to do or you won't get an advancement or you'll get bad hours if you don't comply um, or will reduce your hours or, or your status in the company. That's quid pro quo. The other one is called hostile work environment where the unwanted sexual conduct is of such a nature that it affects the person's work environment. Um, usually in sexual in, – in hostile work environment, the sexual harassment has to be severe or pervasive. That is one – event isn't enough. It's got to be a pattern in practice that makes the workplace intolerable and difficult to perform their ongoing job.
0: So let me ask you this. If um, a woman is in her supervisor's office and the supervisor says, uh, hey, can we go out tonight for dinner? And she says, no. And the supervisor then says, well, then you're fired. Would that fit within the quid pro quo?
2: I think that's a pretty clear – yeah, that's a pretty clear this for that. Generally, one event is not enough. But where there is an adverse uh, employment decision, that is their hours are reduced, they're reassigned or, in this case, terminated, that's pretty clear that there's a one-to-one between the go out with me or lose your job, and I think that would be a case that – would certainly take from the employee side
0: yeah let me uh change that briefly so what if the supervisor said you're fired and then says now that you don't work here any longer would you like to go out to dinner with me tonight
2: same result (laughs) is it all right yeah I, i she still lost her job it's been an adverse work environment now if she goes to dinner and um you know Uh, makes her demand for payment at that, you know, a settlement then, well, maybe that's a good way to resolve it without lawyers.
0: The reason I ask that is we've had discussions about being an employee at will. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could tell our audience what that means.
2: Employee at will, which is the law in the state of Ohio, means that there is no guarantee of employment. And it cuts both ways. The employee can leave at any time, basically without notice. Uh, unless they have a contract that requires some notice um, prior to termination. And the employer can terminate them at will for no reason at any time. It's only when that termination is tied to a sexual favor that it becomes uh, a violation of Ohio's and the federal law regarding sexual harassment in the workplace.
1: I got a question about – something you mentioned a minute or two back, a hostile work environment. Give us a couple elements or a couple examples of what a hostile work environment might be. Well,
2: there are, um, I think, 11 descriptors in the case law that are factors in consideration of what a hostile work environment is. Primarily, it... uh, is those range of factors which are unique to the situation where the um, harassment happens. So example, for example, if the harassment is physical versus verbal, uh, there's no law against being crude or being uh, ungentlemanly, but there is uh, – it is against the law just to grab somebody and force them into a a storeroom and and grope them. Um, Certainly one is on one end of the perspective and while it may not be socially acceptable, the other one, the groping, is on the other end of the uh, spectrum and even one event is enough to cause a hostile work environment. Um, Whether it's an isolated incident. So for example, calling someone a um, dumb broad for example – um, one joking comment is not enough. But if all women are in the workplace are referred to like that on every occasion, it becomes a pattern that's just unsustainable and, and makes it a hostile work environment.
1: So for the most part, what you're saying is you've got to look at the big picture exactly. and, see, and see how this individual is being treated overall.
2: The standard here is totality of the circumstances, the same as it is in most uh, workplace Um, considerations. Does
0: there have to be a difference in the status of the the two actors? Does one have to be a supervisor of the other or can they be co-employees?
2: The law recognizes that the employer has to have an opportunity to fix the problem. So for example, two co-employees, remember that uh, about one in eight people meet their spouse at work. So dating at work is a very common phenomenon.
0: I'm one Um, of those. (laughs) There you go.
2: Um, And you you married over your head at that. Worked in a good place. I I harassed (laughs) her for almost a year before she went out with me. (laughs) It's one way to keep her from suing you. (laughs) Um, Where it's co-employees, the employer, if if a problem develops, so for example if two co-employees are dating, the, for, one, for whatever re- uh, reason, the relationship goes south and the dating relationship ends. And let's say the guy continues to pester her. Well, it's really not a problem unless it makes her uncomfortable in the workplace. And it's really not the employer's problem until that point at which the employer knows about it. So if, as in most large employers, there is a protocol for reporting it, you have to go through the steps. You can't get harassed, quit your job, and then sue the employer if the employer never knew that there was a problem. So if it's a co-employee, you have to go through the steps and let the employer know that you're in an uncomfortable situation and ask for a remedy. And the employer must investigate. And if a remedy can be uh, fashioned that doesn't violate the terms of the workplace, they have to do that. Um, If they don't and they let it go on, then the employer is – Is responsible. That's a different situation from when it is a supervisor and a supervisor is defined not just directly in the line of uh, the chain of uh, of hierarchy in the company but anyone that can affect the terms or conditions of employment. So even if they're not your direct supervisor but they assign your job or your hours, that's considered a supervisor. If a supervisor is the predator in this case, um, then it's Consider that the company is on notice, and it's almost strict liability. That is, the employer knows or must know that something untoward is happening in the workplace, and they have to do something about it. Still, there is a requirement <clears throat> that you let that the uh, victim let the company know that it's unwelcome, because a lot of times, you know, sexual banter and play in a workplace is indistinguishable from harassment unless it's unwelcome. It must be unwelcome.
0: Let me ask you that then. So if my secretary walks by my office and I whistle at her because she looks nice and she whistles at me when I walk past her desk, because you know this happens every day, right? (laughs) Um, Is that sexual harassment? Well, certainly if –
2: she whistled at you, everyone would know that's a joke. (laughs) um, But if you whistled at her, um, it takes more than one event. It's got to be enough to affect the very nature of the workplace. Um, Certainly it would be crude and certainly depending on the circumstances, if she were embarrassed – and there is a case out there where it was done at the company's annual meeting where the – Supervisor made a comment about how somebody, one of the employees, looked at the annual meeting. And because it was in front of the entire company, it was considered that that one event was enough to at least get by summary judgment. In a case where, in in a private setting, I think, you know, if you If all your papers were typed sideways for the next month or two, you know, you shouldn't complain. But I doubt that that levels, it rises to the level of a hostile work environment.
0: It crosses my mind that um, proving something was welcome or unwelcome may be difficult because a subordinate may act like it's okay because they want to keep their job.
2: And, And that's part of the problem, and that's where the rub often comes in these cases. Because the defense to these cases is to prove that the victim was complicit. Either they welcomed it or they didn't give voice to their displeasure. They didn't adequately say stop it. Um, And for the reason you just said, that is they want to keep their job. So depending – and that's that's why the status of the harasser versus the the victim is important. Where it's a co-employee. You know, you tell them to, hey, cut it out or, you know, your lunch is going to be under the forklift, you know. Um, But when it's your supervisor, you're a little more loath to uh, confront them about it. Um, Can
0: the employee sexually harass a supervisor?
2: I can't say that I've seen a case, but I don't see any reason why not. Um, it would be dangerous, uh, but um, there's no reason why, why not. Because the standard is the unwelcome uh, sexual harassment uh, in a workplace setting and it creating a hostile work
0: environment. Yeah, we've um, been presupposing that the relationship is male-female in our kind of in our examples and our mm-hmm. questions. Can sexual harassment be same-sex, male to male or female to female?
2: Absolutely. And the the point of the the term sexual in this context is both based on gender and based on the content. So if someone is being harassed because they're female, because they're gay, because they're um, trans or you know whatever their status is, if it's a gender-based status, that meets the, the statute. Also, independent of gender, if the – Hostility is sex-based. So, for example, just saying "f you" to somebody may or may not be sexual because they could be talking about the act of sex, or it just could be a epithet, you know, of you know, anger, anger. Right. Um, Let me go back to something you
1: said. I think I think the one of the hurdles in this type of for this subject is the difficulty that probably a lot of people have in being sensitive to women who, I agree. In being sensitive to women who don't speak up because they're trying to preserve their job. Women who might even, to some degree, play along to get along. Mm-hmm. So, you know, women are sometimes facing a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. I want to protect myself, but I want to keep my job. And that's really probably the tough part in a In a trial and convincing a jury that she may have been saying a few things that sounded like she was acquiescing. But the bottom Mm -hmm. line was she was under a lot of
2: duress. Surprisingly, Ohio, despite uh, as conservative as our courts tend to be, um, is kind of on the leading edge here because Ohio has recognized through case law um, a kind of a um, blended subjective objective standard. Subjective in the sense that the victim must be offended and it must be unwanted, but objective in that the extent to which it is unwanted will be looked at using a reasonable man's standard. So would a reasonable person be offended whether she said it or not? So in the case of the supervisor, if a reasonable person would be offended or feel threatened, um, then even if she doesn't say it, Ohio courts have said it's enough that a reasonable person would be threatened Got by it. this. Thanks. So let's say
1: you're representing, whether it's a man or a woman, doesn't matter, at court. You can prove liability. You can prove the person was harassed. What kind of damages
2: can you ask the court or if you have a jury, the jury to award? Mm. And that's the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, by statute, you can get back pay, which is that amount of money, and that's in a discharge case. You can get the amount of money you would have made up to the point of the, the verdict. Uh, you can get front pay, that amount of money that you would get while you find other employment of an equal or, or roughly equal um, uh, remuneration, you know, make as much money as you did. And um, you can get punitive damages – now, in Ohio, you bifurcate, so you first have to get compensatory damages before you can even consider punitive damages. Let's
0: stop damages. right here. Yeah, let's, let's get, talk get, about that bifurcation for a minute.
1: Let's stop for a second. Let's get rid of this bifurcation uh, thing. Let's talk about it. Uh, you're getting close to 20 minutes already. Yeah, see, we're, we're, uh, uh, we're getting okay. into the, uh, We're getting into Let's into just weeks? do this. Hold on for a second. Okay. Uh, first of all, I want to address... <laughs> I'm wondering. Although I thought it was funny when you say I, I harassed my wife for for a year.
0: Yeah, probably better to cut
1: that out. I think we cut that out. Yeah. I mean, I we're uh, all. I jo- don't
2: know. I, you know, it's the statues run. married. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Right? You know what? And that was remember yeah. that none of this existed before 1976. Well, here's
1: my point. We're going to sound like the guys that are trying to be sensitive, right, right. but down deep, we're right. exactly. laughing about it. it yeah. sounds bad. it's, it's fine. just yeah. it doesn't oh, well, have.
2: There, there you go. There, um, it, Although I, I do appreciate you, uh, the inclusiveness you said on gay and trans issues, that is like a lot of times are just not thought of. So that was really cool. Yeah.
1: yeah no, no, that, that was good. Yeah. yeah
0: God's. Yeah. You can cut that out. I figured
1: we would. You have you have failed political correctness 101. <laughs> just I, who's who wants to tell Amy that he said this? <laughs> I
2: continue a recording of just that if you want.
1: <laughs> 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 All right. Let's. Uh, I'm going to ask the question again about damages. Keep it short and simple. Just say. Front pay, back pay, and punitive damages. And punitive damages are damn hard to get. Just Mm. something like that. Because I want to keep us, well, we're at 17 when I cut us off, so.
0: But you're going back to damages. It'll
1: be a few minutes before, so. Yeah, so just, so, all right, so let's go back. So, Gil, let's assume you're in trial, whether you're representing a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. You have proven, or at least you think you've proven, that the client has been harassed. What can you ask the court to award in terms of damages?
2: Uh, You're entitled to front pay, back pay, compensatory damages, that is pain and suffering and those kind of um, damages to reputation, as well as punitive damages. Okay, So you can get the wages that you lost. Mm -hmm. You can get some expectation
1: of future damages. Mm -hmm. And punitive damages, which we all know are pretty darn hard to win in the state of Ohio.
2: Yeah, but in sexual harassment cases, that tends to be um, uh, where the value is. Um, It's often the way that you stop that behavior is by sending that signal that it's just too expensive to continue to do that. All right. It's the jury's way of saying this was egregious
1: conduct. We're going to smack you for behaving
2: that way. And it's also worth noting that uh, attorney's fees are available to the prevailing plaintiff, um, which – when they don't have the money to fund litigation, which can be pretty expensive, that's one way to get it paid for.
1: All right, so I'm an employer. What are my responsibilities in terms of the workplace and preventing harassment?
2: Well, the what we preach and uh, probably the most effective thing an employer can do is prevention. Uh, a good, well-thought-out employee manual uh, with a procedure that you make everybody read and sign that they've received it. Um, that knocks out a lot of cases because the employees just don't follow the rules. And unless the employer knows of it and has, has been advised as the procedure requires in the manual, they have no duty to uh, respond or fix a problem that they don't know about. So you
1: got to have mechanics in place. And I assume the
2: other thing for any employer is when you
1: hear about somebody being harassed, You've really got to listen and take that complaint to heart and try to solve it, resolve it one way or another. Certainly the worst you can do, I imagine, is just blow it off as a work the type of thing that goes on in the workplace.
2: And what I just said about punitive damages, that's where punitive damages get uh, ginned up is when the employer doesn't take it seriously and lets a problem fester.
0: Give advice to the employee who likes another employee and is attracted to that person and would like to see if there's some reciprocal feelings. Mm -hmm. What do they do?
2: There's nothing wrong with flirting. There's nothing wrong with the normal human interaction. It's when it becomes uh, a condition of employment and it makes the employment setting uh, uncomfortable or hostile. Um, So – act as you normally would but act as a gentleman or a lady would in that that circumstances and when you get a no take it as a no stop
1: what about the idea of
2: hey we were just kidding we didn't mean anything by it where's that get get you <laughs> it, it's uh, not worth much in court if the person if the victim is offended it doesn't matter what your intent was. It's their offense that matters. And joking about something that they're uncomfortable about is just as culpable as doing it with with malice.
0: Now, in your practice, guild, do you represent uh, both the employees and, and the employers? Or do you have a, a certain mix of that? Um,
2: we take the cases that we think we can believe in. So where someone has truly been wronged and we think we can prove it, um, and they've done the blocking and tackling prior to us getting involved, we absolutely take those plaintiff's cases and represent those employees. Um, we represent, uh, as you know, a number of employers, and when they get sued, um, we've kind of trained them to call us early, get us involved on the front end, and on those cases we do what we can to um solve the problem as quickly as possible and try to avoid litigation.
1: I think you said when they get sued. I think what you meant to say when they have
2: when they un- have a claim.
1: Yes. When have, when sure. somebody's mentioned a problem right. in the workplace. You want to that. Or... Yeah, why don't you? So just say when they um, when they have a client and then go Yeah. It. Or when they have when they have a workplace problem as opposed to when they've get got when they get sued.
2: Um, we also represent a number of employers and when they have a problem or a complaint We uh, try to get involved as quickly as possible and help them address the problem and do an investigation and respond to avoid litigation where possible. All right. Now, you've told us what
1: employers should do to preclude problems, and we're just about ready to wrap up. So I'm going to ask you to be brief, but give me two or three things an employee should be thinking about if she feels she's being harassed and she can't stop it herself.
2: The first thing to do is make sure you understand what's required in the employee handbook. Do whatever is required. If it's report to a supervisor or file a complaint, make sure that you follow the company protocols. It's also helpful to maintain records. So if you're getting texts or emails or um, uh, Instagram uh, messages or photos, capture those and record them because somebody's going to want to see them. But it's really helpful to contact a lawyer as soon as possible because you have some time limits. Uh, For example, if you go through the EEOC, you only have 180 days from the harassment to state a claim. And if you're going to get into federal court, you've got to go through the EEOC uh, to – And tell us what the EEOC – The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission.
1: All right. Real quickly, um, you're in a small company, no employment manual, no procedure to follow. What do you do?
2: Make sure that you stand up for yourself, speak loudly and clearly, do it in writing if you can, and if it persists, contact a lawyer before you quit your job. Okay.
1: Gil, I want to thank you for spending your time with us today and for helping educate our audience. Remember, if anyone in the audience wants to ask a question, you can go to our website. That's Be Like Boy B-E-H-A-L, Law Group. Hit the email system. Send us a question. We'll get back to you as soon as possible.
0: Thank you.